Hello and welcome to the Street Smart podcast. I'm your host Siddharth Bishnoi. Now you might be new to the world of investing or you might be a seasoned investor in which case I have no idea what you're doing listening to this podcast. But I would like to start our investing journey the same way I started mine and that is with a book and not just any book. This is The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Now in case you haven't heard of Benjamin Graham, He's a pretty big figure in the world of investing. He pretty much laid the foundations of security analysis as we know it today. He's the reason why the CFA program was set up and he was a mentor to many including Warren Buffett. In fact, Warren Buffett wrote the preface of the book in which he says if you pay special attention to chapters 8 and 20, you will not get a poor return for your investments. So what I want to do in this podcast is go over the key concepts that he introduces in the book and hopefully that will give you a firm grounding to begin your investing journey of course to fully understand the book you need to read the book so hopefully after listening to this podcast it will inspire some of you to go ahead buy the book and actually read it cover to cover as i have many times let's start at the beginning what is an investment anyway benjamin graham says an investment operation is one which upon thorough analysis promises safety of principle and adequate return operations not meeting these requirements are speculative now there are two things that i want you to pay attention to in that definition the first of them is upon thorough analysis which means that if you buy something without thorough analysis you cannot call it an investment you can only call it speculation and secondly safety of principle and of course nothing guarantees 100% safety of principle not even us treasury bonds no matter what the us government tells you but if you do not have adequate safety of principle alongside an adequate return you cannot call that operation an investment either so what we want to do is build a portfolio that upon thorough analysis promises relative safety of principle and an adequate return but before we get into that I want to talk about a concept that Benjamin Graham introduces called Mr Market. To understand the concept of Mr Market, let's imagine that you just bought a house. You bought a house worth 100 million dollars. Why not? You bought it from Drake. Now your neighbor is a nosy guy. He's slightly annoying and his name is Mr Market. And he comes up to you and he says, "Hey, I really love your house. I'm going to pay you 90 million dollars if you sell it to me." and of course you're not going to do that you'll say i just paid 100 for it i really like it i want to live here i don't want to sell it to you for 90 million dollars but he comes up to you again the next day and he says i want to buy it uh, and i'll now pay you just 50 million dollars for it are you going to go into a panic thinking oh no my house is just worth 50 million dollars now two days after i bought it of course not you'll think my neighbor mr market is crazy He doesn't know what the price of a house should be. Now imagine he does this every single day. He comes to you the third day and he says, "I'm going to pay a 150 million for it." And then the fourth day and he says, "I'm going to pay 75 million for it." So what you will do is you will wait till he comes up to you and says, "I'm going to pay 250 million for it." And you'll sell it to him for 250 million. And maybe one day he comes to you and he says, "You can buy it back." for 80 million dollars and you might buy it back from him so you have to assess the value of your house and then decide whether you want to sell to mr market or buy from mr market 
and the same thing applies in the securities world when you buy equity when you buy a stock of a company when you buy a bond you can't always think that the market's price is the correct price you decide based on thorough analysis what should be the price of this valuable thing that i own and if the market says the price should be higher you can sell it to the market and if the market says the price is lower you can buy it from the market so this is an inherent advantage that every investor has we decide the price we want to buy something at and we decide whether we want to sell it or not and if the market doesn't agree with us we can just wait until it does but if we are influenced by the market if we are scared of the market and if we don't think that we can price things fairly then this advantage becomes a disadvantage because now you're at the mercy of mr market if he says your house is 100 it's 100 if he says it's 500 you'll believe him and if he says it's 50 you might sell it for 50 and this is all good in theory you might say sure i know that but how do i stop myself from not giving in to greed or fear in the real world and the best way to do that is to make an investment contract with yourself now don't start calling up your lawyers right away okay it's not a complicated contract it's really simple you get a piece of paper you write down how much you are going to invest every month which are the mutual funds or diversified portfolios into which you are going to invest and also when you want to sell it for how long are you investing and what are the conditions under which you will sell so you can say i will only sell it after 20 years unless i have a healthcare emergency or i lose my job and what i want you to do after listening to this podcast is actually get out a piece of paper and make this contract because you will be amazed at how much it helps you when you are looking at the market skyrocketing and attempted to invest more or when you're looking at a market crashing all around you and attempted to take out all your money now once you have printed signed and laminated your contract you want to build an actual portfolio to invest your money in and benjamin graham divides people into two groups defensive investors and enterprising investors and if you're not sure which group you belong to then you can read his book and check out the definitions and the risk appetites of both of them but if you are not sure i would say you probably are more suited to the defensive portfolio especially for first time investors so for a defensive portfolio benjamin graham says you should have 50% of your money invested in stocks or equity and 50% in bonds or debt Now for a defensive portfolio Benjamin Graham says that you should have 50% of your money in stocks or equity and 50% in bonds or debt. Of course this varies for some people who might have a really strong view that the market is going to go up or feel that a crash is imminent. So there is some leeway there but he does recommend that don't go below 25% or above 75% for either the stocks or the bonds part of your portfolio. Now when you're deciding which stocks or equity to invest into the easiest option especially for a first time investor would be to simply buy an a fund that tracks the entire index so that would be the S&P 500 for example in the US or maybe the Nifty 50 in India we will cover index funds and mutual funds and picking the right fund in a future episode but for now i'm going to move on to selecting common stocks that meet the criteria for a defensive portfolio So Benjamin Graham says that if you are selecting a company to invest in for your defensive portfolio 
there are five things you need to look at. So we'll go over all of them. The first one is that there should be adequate but not excessive diversification in your portfolio. And that means that you should probably be looking at somewhere between 10 to 30 stocks. So less than 10 means you're not diversified enough. Over 30 means you're probably too diversified. And of course, if you buy 10 utility stocks, then that's not really a diversified portfolio. But this is a general rule of thumb. The rest of the four criteria are quite technical and uh, you might find it useful to run it on a stock screener. So the one that I used is just screener.in and I found that to be quite useful. But there are literally hundreds of websites where you can enter criteria and they screen out stocks for you. And that's quite a good starting point to weed out the obviously bad choices. So if you can, I would advise you to follow along, find your favorite stock screener and put in these criteria and see what you end up with. So the second criteria for choosing a stock for a defensive portfolio is that each company must be large, prominent and conservatively financed. Of course, it's subjective what large and conservatively financed means, but I searched for a market cap of at least 50,000 crores for an Indian company. And for conservatively financed, we can say that at the minimum, the book value should be at least half of the market cap and the current ratio should be greater than two. The third thing that we are looking for is that each company must have a long record of continuous dividend payments. So you need to put in your screener at least a dividend paid for the last five years. And if you can find increasing dividends every year, then that's even better. The fourth criteria that we're looking at is that the investor should impose some limit on the P.E. ratio of the stock. The P.E. ratio is the price of one share divided by the earnings per share. Now you need to be really careful when you are looking for the P.E. ratio because the earnings per share number for last year might be inflated because of some exceptional item and similarly it might be depressed because of some exceptional item. So to get a more representative P.E. ratio, it's better that you take the average earnings of the last seven years and then use that as the earnings per share value. So if that's the method you use, then it's suggested that you don't buy companies with the P.E. ratio greater than 25. And if you want to be lazy and just use last year's P.E. ratio, then you shouldn't be looking at companies with a P.E. ratio of more than 20. And for the final criteria, we're looking for some growth. So Benjamin Graham says at least 30% growth in earnings per share over 10 years. And again, the earnings per share should be calculated based on the average earnings per share of three years rather than just looking at a single point in time. And I would say that 30% is really conservative. So if you want to look for companies with a slightly higher growth, it's perfectly okay to set the criteria to maybe 50% growth over the last 10 years. Now, one thing you need to be careful about is you might end up with a lot of finance stocks and utility stocks after running these criterias. And these criteria were really built for industrial companies. And definitely when you have banking or NBFC stocks or utility stocks, they don't really operate the same way. The balance sheet is not set up the same way. And analyzing finance and utility stocks is a completely different method of analysis, which we can cover in a future episode. So just be careful with those. Now, if you've been following along and you actually put this on a stock screener, as I did, I found eight stocks that were worth investing in at least at first glance so this is a really good initial screener and now you can go really in depth into the stocks that you have found 
and read their balance sheets, have a think about their future prospects and identify some great companies that are suited to your defensive portfolio. I want to tell you about one particular screen for enterprising investors, which helps you identify working capital bargains. So working capital bargains are companies that have net current assets per share greater than the share price. By current assets, I mean cash and things that can be converted to cash really easily. So that includes inventory and marketable securities. And to calculate net current assets per share, you look at the working capital, subtract the total debt and divide that number by the number of shares. So working capital minus total debt divided by the number of shares. And if this number is greater than the share price per share, then on the face of it, we have a company which is worth more than its share price based on its working capital alone, even after accounting for debt. And you might think that it's impossible to find a company like this because why would a company be trading so cheaply? But actually, when I ran the screener, I did find some companies. Now, of course, you have to be really careful because one of the companies that came up was a jewelry company and their share price was 15 rupees and their net current assets per share was 90 rupees. However, if you look at it more closely, for a jewelry company, the inventory is finished jewelry products and it may not be so easy to convert them into cash, especially at short notice. So if you are making a portfolio of working capital bargains, you need to be careful that the current assets that you have identified are truly current assets and then you still need to diversify. So you should only go ahead with this if you find nine or 10 companies that meet these criteria and you can make a diversified basket of these bargain shares. That is all we're going to cover in terms of criteria for selecting stocks and building portfolios. And obviously, if you want to go into more detail, you can always buy the book, read it. I highly recommend it. And what we're going to move on to now is proper securities analysis, or at least the basics of securities analysis. And one of the things we hear about all the time is fair value of a company. And it's something we discussed briefly when we spoke about Mr. Market as well. We sometimes see two companies with the same expected earnings per share have different valuations. So there are a lot of subjective criteria and objective criteria that determines the fair value of a company. And I'll pick out five things to look out for when you are trying to calculate the fair value apart from the expected earnings per share. The first one is general long-term prospects. And by long-term, I mean really long-term. Look for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years into the future. Do you see growth happening in that company? Do you see an aggressive, fast-paced growth? Or do you see a more gentle, consolidating year-by-year -year kind of growth? The second thing is the management. Are they a capable management? Do they have a lot of experience? Do they have strong values? The third thing is the financial strength and capital structure of the company. The fourth is the dividend record. And finally, also the current dividend rate. So criteria like these are always good to have when you're calculating the fair value. What are not good criteria is, do I have a good feeling about this company? Was I recommended this by uncle so-and-so who is really good at stocks? Is this company sounding like a good company? So you should have objective criteria, criteria that actually affect the growth, the future, the potential of the business, rather than working on feelings, rather than working on emotions. 
So of course, with so many things to keep in mind, it's not easy to calculate the fair value of a company. But there is a quick formula that Benjamin Graham came up with to calculate the value of growth stocks. Here's how you do it. You estimate a growth rate for the company over the next 7 to 10 years, say for example 5%, and you double that expected growth rate. So if you thought that the expected growth rate is 5%, your number is now 10. And you add 8.5 to this number. So if your expected growth rate was 5, you'll double it to get 10 and add 8.5 to get 18.5. So whatever number you're left with at the end, you multiply that by the current normal earnings per share. So the value of one share of a growth stock is current earnings per share multiplied by within brackets 8.5 plus twice the expected growth rate. This is of course a really simple formula so you cannot expect it to give you the exact valuation. It ignores all subjective aspects of valuing a company but I have found that it often comes close to the value per share you would get with more sophisticated models. So it's a good starting point and if you see a valuation of a company that is much higher than suggested by this formula then you should be careful while buying the shares of that company. Apart from a valuation that cannot be justified, there are other red flags you can look for as well. A really simple red flag to identify is if a company is always acquiring other companies. That normally indicates that they may not have that much organic growth or they might need to keep buying companies to constantly inflate their balance sheet. So that's always a red flag if you see a company acquiring two or three companies every single year. The second red flag is if a company is an opium addict. And I don't mean OPM the drug, I mean OPM, which is other people's money. So you look at the cash flows in the balance sheet and you look at the operating cash flow and the cash flow they generate from financing activities. And if most of their cash is actually from financing activities, that means they're really running the company on other people's money and not generating too much money from their own operations. So that's another red flag that you can look out for. And the third red flag, which is also really easy to identify, is if a company relies on just one or two big customers for almost all of its revenue. Because there's always the danger that that customer moves away from them and then suddenly they're left with no revenue and your shares are worth a lot less than they were the previous quarter. Now I've given you a lot of information about building portfolios, about enterprising investors and defensive investors, Mr. Market, fair valuation of a company, and before we close off, I want to talk about one last thing, and that is the margin of safety. And this is the second thing that Warren Buffett was referring to. If you remember at the beginning, we said that he asked us to pay attention to chapters 8 and 20. 8 was market fluctuations and Mr. Market. And chapter 20 is the concept of margin of safety. To understand margin of safety, you need to understand the earnings yield. The earnings yield is basically the reverse of the P.E. ratio. So it's the earnings per share divided by the price of one share. And what it tells you is the return that you can expect from that stock over a particular period. And you can compare that to the rate of interest that you get on a safe long term government bond. And if you get an earnings yield of say 10% and the rate of interest on bonds is 5%, then you basically have a 5% margin of safety. And what that does is it gives you a 5% margin to be wrong 
because even if your stock investments don't do as well as you expected they can do up to 4% or 4.99% worse and you would still be better off than if you had invested solely in bonds and you can do this exercise not just for individual stocks but also for the entire index so now uh, i had a look at the nifty 50s pe ratio nifty 50 is the 50 largest companies in the nifty index and the pe ratio of nifty 50 is around 28.27 which gives us an earnings yield of around three and a half percent but if we look at even three-year government bonds the yield on those right now is more than four percent so what you have is a particular situation where the margin of safety is actually negative and this is one of the reasons why it's better to buy shares with a low pe ratio you know assuming that they are good companies because if you have a low pe ratio you have a higher earnings yield and a better margin of safety if you have a really high pe ratio then you can end up with a negative margin of safety and you really need your investments to do well to not lose money so those were some of the key things that i really enjoyed about the intelligent investor and i would really like to hear your thoughts about the book and what you felt about it whether you agree with some of these concepts whether you disagree whether you are already following some of these and if you do make your investment contract and it's a really interesting one please do send it to me because i would love to read it and see what you have come up with so thank you all for listening congratulations on making it to the end i hope i've inspired some of you to buy this book and read it and i will see you all next week